John 17, and uh, I'm going to start, I'm going to reread um, some that we read this morning, but we're going to start in verse 13. John 17, and now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Dwelling in Beulah Land, uh, we sang that song, sing that song a lot at Bible conference. Far away the noise of strife is on my ears falling. Then I know the sins of earth be set on Every hand, doubt and fear and things of earth in vain to me are calling. None of these shall move me from Beulah land. And, and the author of the hymn, as we, as we sing, is meditating on the things of God, trusting in God, putting things in the right perspective that there's fighting and, and fear and, and doubts, but in the Word of God, in faith in God, He is protected on on every hand, there's a song of faith, trusting in the Lord in the world, but trusting in the Lord. And so Beulah Land in that hymn is a place, it's talking about heaven, but his mind is in heaven, his heart is in heaven while he is still on the earth. Well, you ever been to a church service or maybe a Bible conference or a fellowship meeting and you just dreaded, just dreaded for it to be over and to go back to life on Monday? I've been in those before where um, it's at a campground and you get there Friday, park your car, you don't get back in your car until it's time to go. And you get there and, and there's singing, good singing, good fellowship, good preaching. Uh, you eat there, you sleep there, you have this church service there, you're, all, you're there all weekend just fellowshipping with God's people. You know, there's no radio, no TV, no news, or anything. You're, just, you're just there worshiping the Lord and you get back to Monday morning. Get back to work on Monday. Back to foul mouths and bad attitudes and ungodly behavior. And, and you just kind of think, well, I, I wish I could go back there and, and, just, and just be with God's people and, and fellowship like that. Why, why do we have to go back to, to Monday morning? Why do we have to go back um, into the world? Well, in our passage, Jesus gives us the answer to that question. This is what God wants. It would be nice to be saved and then to be carried off into heaven. But the Lord would have us to remain in this world. And He would have us to be in trials and sufferings and temptations. That is the Lord's will for us. And he prays for that. If the Lord Jesus wanted us to escape all those uh, temptations that we have, 
He would not have prayed the way he did, but prayed that when they believe, that they would be where I am. But he prays the opposite. In verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest taken them out of the world. The Lord would have us to continue living as hard as it is and as unpleasant as it is sometimes. The Lord would have us to live in this world. And in that, He sanctifies us. We are, we are witnesses to Him. We glorify His name. But in us personally, He sanctifies us. He makes us uh, more like Him. He makes us holy. And so these are sort of the, the thoughts that we'll have um, in the message this morning. That we are still in the world. We are still amongst trials, even when the Lord saves us. Our life doesn't always get easier. And there are many difficulties that we may have. This, is, this too is part of our God's plan. And so, as he said, I speak these things that they might have joy. Now, that, that's not a very joyful illustration to start things off. It's, it's not very joyful to think about what we have in this life as far as trials go. But Jesus tells us that we will have joy. So let us take heart and, and by faith think about what Jesus is saying and look at it from what Jesus is telling us and we will have joy. Joy is a gift of God. Jesus prays to the Father that his disciples would have joy. So if Jesus prays for this, you think his prayer is going to be answered? You think the Father answers Jesus' prayer? I think he does, right? I don't think so. I know he does. And so we will have joy based upon this, this scripture, this prayer. Christ is the foundation. He's the fountainhead of our joy. And joy comes from knowing and fellowshipping with Christ. So I'm going to be flipping back and forth between this and 1 John. So I'm going to mark my place. And then we'll come right back but in first john chapter number one so john penned the gospel according to jesus or the gospel of jesus according to john he penned that then later on he pins this first epistle of the apostle john that which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled the word of life so john said i heard jesus I saw Jesus with my own eyes. I have touched Jesus. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you the eternal life which was with the Father was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. John says, I tell you all the things I saw, and all the things that Jesus did, not all of them, but the things that he recorded, and that I was a witness to those things. I was with him. I saw him. I lived with him. I ate with him. I prayed with him. I heard him pray for me. And we declare these things unto you that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. John heard Jesus pray this prayer. Later on writes that and says, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. 
I'm going to tell you what he did. I'm going to tell you what he said. I'm going to tell you where he came from and what he did while he was on the earth and where he went when he ascended from earth. And I'm going to tell you all these things and what he told us and what he told us to do and, and, and so forth. I tell you all these things that your joy might be full. Jesus prays, I pray these things, Father, that they might have joy. Our joy is come from Jesus. Jesus says, my joy would be fulfilled in them. John says, well, I'm going to tell you about Jesus, that your joy might be full. So what does joy not come from? It doesn't come from how much money that you make. It doesn't come from your health. It doesn't come from what kind of house that you have. It doesn't come from what kind of car that, that you have. It doesn't come from this world. It comes from knowing Christ. It comes from being united to Christ and knowing his gospel because we have joy in Christ. And I'm not going to go back and read all these, but if you go back through the upper room discourse, John 15 is where Jesus tells them about that he is the true vine and every branch that beareth um, that lives in the vine will, will have fruit. And if it doesn't have fruit, it doesn't have life. And he tells us those things to keep his commandments that, we, that our joy might be full. In verse number 11 of chapter 15. That our joy comes from being in the vine, from bearing fruit, from having life. So our joy comes from being united to Jesus Christ. The very fact that we are united from Jesus Christ is the fountainhead, the, the, is what, the, the life that brings joy. We have joy in the resurrected Christ in John 16, um, verse 19 and 20. He says at the end of verse 19, A little while and you shall not see me. Again, a little while and you shall see me. Verily, verily, I say unto you that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice and your sorrow shall be turned, and you shall be sorrow, but your sorrow shall be turned to joy. Verse 22, And ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. Verse 24, Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name, asking you receive that your joy may be full. You're going to weep because you won't be able to see me, but I'm going to rise from the dead, and you're going to know that I live, and then you're going to have joy. You're going to have joy in me as I live again for you. And you're going to have joy in me because the Father's going to give you everything that you need for everlasting life. Whatever there is needed, you're going to have it. Do you need strength? It is there. Do you need a guidance? It is there. Do you need the power to keep the law? It is there. And it is available. For you ask um, in faith that your joy may be full. So whatever is needed and whatever is necessary that your joy might be full is found in Christ. And whatever is needed and whatever is necessary, all we have to do is ask and it will be provided. Back in 1 John chapter 5, this time in verse number 10. <clears throat> he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave his Son. And this is the record that God given to us eternal life, and this life is in the Son. He that hath the Son has life, he that hath not the Son hath not life. 
just like in John 15. These things have I written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know we have the petitions of that we desired of Him. We have faith in Christ. We have life in Christ. We have eternal life in Christ. We have confidence in Christ. We have all our needs supplied that we may walk in Christ and have faith. All the things that we need to, to live the Christian life is supplied to us in Christ. All the things that we need to have joy is supplied to us. For joy is a fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22 tells us. That the Spirit is alive in us, gives us life and dwells within us and produces fruit. That we don't work joy in us from the outside, but the Spirit works in us from the inside and produces the fruit of joy. It is a gift of God. So Christ gives us joy in a troubled world. These things I have spoken unto you that you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In the world you're going to have tribulation. In the world there's troubles and trials and temptations and and pain and sickness and death and sorrow and all these things are in the world but over here you have joy over here you have peace that's what I've given you you're in a world full of trouble and you have to live in this world full of trouble but while you are here in the midst of all that you will have peace and you will have joy you will be of good cheer because I've overcome all that I've overcome the world and the powers of the world and the, the, the pain and the sickness even the death I've overcome it, that your joy would be full. Lots of times we talk about sanctification, we talk about, you know, it's painful. Because why? We're to be sanctified is to be holy and, and to, be, um, to be more like Christ. And we look in the mirror and say, well, I'm not like Christ. And I, there's, I do things I don't want to do and um, I don't do things I'm supposed to do. But in this, we are to remember that it is a grace of God that He's working in us. And so, rather than looking at 1 John and, and saying, I don't do all these things enough, we can look at 1 John and say, I don't do these things like I ought to, but I do see the love of the brethren. I do see that I don't love the things I used to love. I do see God working in me. You know, people, you might doubt your salvation and say, "Well, I just don't say. I just I sin so much, and I just worry that I'm, maybe I'm not even saved." Well, do you, do you love that sin? Do you, do you wish that you wouldn't sin anymore? Well, who did that? Um, Somebody asked R.C. Sproul that question one time. He said, well, does Satan make you hate sin? Does, hate, does Satan make you want to desire to be holy, to, to be more like Christ? Is that the work of Satan in your heart? Or is that the work of the Holy Spirit and, and making you to see your sin and, and hate that in his work for us? So this is, 
This is for our joy, for our good that we have these things. There's problems in the world. Uh, verse 14. We, we will have joy in the world, but that doesn't take There's problems in the world. Jesus says, I want you to have joy in the world, but in the world you're going to have problems. I've given them my word, and the world hateth them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus gave the, the word, the good news of salvation. That we can be saved from sin. But the world hates those who are not of the world. How are we not of the world? We, we talk like that and maybe people don't understand. Maybe we get confused what I mean by, by the world. What, what does that mean? Well, you know, people have different ideas of that. I'd say, well, that, that's... That's music of the world, or that's an instrument of the world. Or that's a car of the world. You know, just depending on what your definition of the world is. Some people say, well, that's a worldly car. I've had people say that. You know, that's, what, what, what's a heavenly car? I don't know what that means. Well, that's a worldly shirt. Well, why is that a worldly shirt? Because it doesn't have a collar? <laughs> you know, what, what, what's the difference between um, your shirt and my shirt? Well, the world here is distinguished between people who are saved and people who are lost. That, that's the world. And the people who are lost have a, a nature that they have from Adam. And that nature is a sin nature. And we come into this world loving sin. And we love to do bad things. And we love to break God's law. And we love... To, to sneak around and just do whatever we want. We love to be willful. We love to be disobedient. We love to, to um, seek our own self first. That's, that's the world. That's the ways of the world. That's the ways of darkness. And so anything that goes along with that is worldly. And so anything that is sinful, anything that is... Um, is antichrist is worldly. That's that's a distinction here. That it's not that we're we're it's not the earth that that is bad. It's not the material that is bad, but but men by nature are sinful, and there's a curse on this earth, and men are cursed, and men love darkness more than light. And everything that a man does ultimately is not for the glory of God, but, but sinfulness. Even the good things we do um, come from a, a, a sinful disposition. We are not of the world, therefore, not because of anything outwardly, but by virtue of the new birth. And I can tell you how is because you can think about this, that what, what made the disciples distinguished? It wasn't how they dressed. Because Peter was warming himself by the fire as Jesus was being crucified, and he was right there among them. So it wasn't that he was glowing. It wasn't that he had a halo about his head. It wasn't that he was... Um, Dressed in some way completely different. You can go, you can go 
up in Ohio and you go into Walmart or gas station or something, you can tell who the Amish are or see them on the road. You can tell who the Mennonites are. You can, you can tell them from as far away as you can see them. Why? Because they're dressed differently. They say, so, well, we're not of the world. We're dressed differently. So we're not worldly. Well, Peter, Peter, you couldn't tell them apart. They came in and Judas had to kiss Jesus to give a clue of which one Jesus was as he came in there among them. It wasn't the outside. Now, of course, you know, we can get into that. that, that if, you're, if you're sinful, then there's a, a sinful way that you could dress and, and, and all that. But we're just talking about the distinction here is not the material. It was in the Old Testament because it was telling the, the, the true lesson that, that God's people were just different on the inside. We are not of the world by the nature of our birth. John 3, verse number 5. So this world that we're in, we are different by our birth. What's on the inside? John 3, um, 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that's one side. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that saying to you, you must be born again. How are we not of the world? Well, we were born again. The distinction of those who are in the world versus those who are not of the world, but in the world, like you and I, is that we have been born again by the Spirit of God. We have life. Those who are in the world and of the world are born of the flesh, but not of the spirit. Those who are in the world, but not of the world, were born of the flesh the first time, but born of the spirit of God and now have new life and now have a new nature. And now have a new love and new desires and a new Lord, and a new master, a new reason for life. Well, how can these things be? Well, Jesus says. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How can we be born again? By looking to Jesus. How is our joy fulfilled? By looking to Jesus. How are we saved? How are we not of the world? By looking to Jesus. By looking to the Son of Man lifted up on the cross, having faith that He died for our sins and and was buried and rose again on the third day. That we are born again by grace, through faith in the Son of God. And by faith, God gives us new life. In verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth Cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Jesus came into the world 
to deliver men from darkness. He didn't come the first time to condemn because he said you're condemned already. You're in darkness. You're already judged. Jesus didn't have to come and condemn men because they were you're already condemned. You're already guilty. But Jesus came into this world to deliver men from darkness, to give life, to make men alive, new creatures in him. The light came into the darkness and the light shined. And those who looked to the Savior, looked to the light, looked to the one high and lifted up, were saved. Those who came to the light have everlasting life. In 1 John 1 verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Where is the darkness? In John 3, the darkness was in the world. Men love darkness rather than light. Well, God is light. And in God is no darkness. So God is light and in no darkness. The world is dark and has no light. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness... We lie and do not the truth. Why is that? Because God has saved us. The light came into this world, and men love darkness more than light. But for God's people, the light came into the world, and we love the light. And we came to the light and looked to the light. So John is saying, how can you walk in darkness when you're living in the light? Jesus said... He that doeth truth cometh to the light. John says, You have no fellowship with, with if you have no fellowship with him and walk in darkness, you do not the truth. John's saying the same thing that Jesus is saying, just in the opposite way. But in verse 7, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So if we forsake the darkness and walk in the light, where, who are we walking with? Well, not with we're, we're not walking with the world because the world is in darkness. If we walk in light, we're walking with Jesus. We have fellowship with him. Well, how do we do that? Well, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. As the son, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, the Son of Man was lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is by God's grace, not because we are good, not because we have the strength, not because we're better than everybody else. You start getting into um, like the, the Amish and the Mennonite crowd, very self-righteous. Because they're better than everybody else. They look at you and they judge you by what you look like. They say, well, look at them wearing worldly clothes. Look at them in their worldly outfits and their worldly cars. They're not like I am. I'm, I'm dedicated. Look how I dress. Look how I... So forth. But how can we walk in the light? The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Christ saves us. Christ redeems us. Christ sanctifies us. And then He brings us into the light... And because we're alive, because we have been born again, we walk with him. So we are not of the world, not because we're better, not because we have um, 
you know, anything other than the new, it's because we have the, the new birth, is the way I should say it. We've been born again, now we have a new nature, now we walk with Christ. So now, as Jesus was in the world, the light came into the world, and the world loved darkness more than light, because the light convicted them of their sins, is what, it, what Jesus said, that the light shone and convicted them the world hated Jesus. And Jesus says, now I've given them thy word. I have given them the gospel. And they have believed the gospel. And they have trusted the gospel, the good news of salvation. They have been born again. They are walking in the light. And now the world hates them. Why does the world hate? Because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. The priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were all very happy in their self-righteousness and the way things were going. They were the holy ones. They were the religious ones. Jesus came into the world and they saw the light. And... uh, People, people will sing that song, I saw the light, I saw the light. Well, these, they saw the light. But it's not just seeing the light, because they saw the light and they hated it. That's why the world hates Christ. Because the light of his glory, the light of his holiness shines and convicts them of their sin. And they will not have him. And so God's people, born again, with a new nature, with new loves, new desires, walking with Jesus, are hated because we have that new nature, that new birth. When you're born again, you have a new nature. And the world doesn't like that nature. When we're walking with Jesus, we're not walking with the world. Light convicts of evil deeds. You know that's why people love to call Christians hypocrites. You know that's why people love to see Christians fall. It's not because they just like to see people fall. They like to see Christians fall because they love to find fault. They love to, because a Christian walking with Jesus convicts them of their sins. And they love to see Christians mess up. They love to See, they love to see preachers get mad. They love to see deacons get mad. They love to see, um, you know, they, they, they love to see Sunday school teachers trip up. They love to see it. Because they're like, I knew they were just a bunch of hypocrites. I knew it. I knew that they, there wasn't anything to that. They're just like the rest of us. Just, they're just pretending. They're just pretending that there is holiness. They're just pretending that the Christ is Lord. I knew that's not true. That's why why they love it. Because they hate the God of the Bible by nature. Because the God of the Bible by nature is enmity against us. And so that doesn't mean that everybody, it doesn't mean all lost people just go out and persecute people. But it does mean that their heart and their desires is contrary to that of, of Christ. And Jesus says, 
they're in the world and they're walking with me. And so the world is against them. It's oil and water. By grace, we are different. We have different natures. So naturally, the next step in this is people say, well, we're different. You go your way, we'll go our way. And we'll stay over here by ourselves, and you just leave us alone, you go over there, and we'll not come in contact with you anymore. And that's where the Mennonites, that's where that started, and and the Amish, and monasteries, and and all that kind of stuff, because we're going to separate ourselves from the world. There's temptation out there. There's, there's hardships. So we're going to just build a little community here. We're never going to go outside that community. And, and it's, it's, we'll stay here and be safe. And you go out there and, and do whatever you have to do. But Jesus wants us to stay in the world. Verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, but that thou shouldst keep them from the evil. But they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Little Jack Horner sat in the corner, eating a Christmas pie. He put in his thumb and pulled out a plum and said, What a good boy am I. You ever heard that nursery rhyme? Well, I was reading about that. Um, in the English Reformation, the Protestant government went through and confiscated all the monasteries in England. And they dissolved them. And the monasteries where the monks would live the monks and the nuns and so forth, they would go in and seclude themselves from the world. Some of them would never leave that monastery. So they had land and they'd they'd farm and then go and pray and then farm and pray and they never left. And they they just separated themselves from the world. Well, the the Protestant government comes through and so we're not in for all that uh, Catholicism. So so we're going to take your land. And so... A lot of the people in the government would seize the land and take it, and then they'd make lots of money from it. Well, the story goes that Thomas Horner was a steward of the last abbot in this town. And they were taking that, the monastery, the abbey there, and he, he sent Horner to London with a huge Christmas pie and had the deeds of these manors in it. Um, all these monasteries had the deeds and uh, Horner reached into the pie and stole one of the deeds of the, the manor and popped it out. And one of them is said to be a, a lead mine. And uh, plum in Latin is plumbum. And so, uh, you know, that might just be an urban legend. I don't know. But that's, that's, it's a good story anyway. But uh, that's what that is. So next time you hear little Jack Horner, you just think of, of those monasteries. But then you think, well, those monasteries aren't any good because that's what Jesus told us not to do. He didn't tell us to hide ourselves from the world. He said, I'll leave you in the world. You don't have to hide yourself and, and, and join a monastery. Do you know there's a monastery about two hours from here? Um, the Holy Cross. They said that their primary work is prayer and repentance. They said that they're, they're doing the gospel, the laws of the gospel. Daily toil and prayer and repentance. Uh, it's in Wayne, uh, this, this monastery. They have about 160 acres. And you go down there and um, you can buy stuff from them. 
there at that monastery. Is that what God wants us to do? No. He wants us in the world. Calvin said, if we wish to be kept according to the rule which Christ has laid down, we must not desire exemption from evil or prayer to God to deliver us immediately into our blessed rest, but must be satisfied with the assurance of our victory and resist courageously from which Christ prayed to his Father that we might have a happy issue. In short, God does not take his people out of the world because he does not wish them to be effeminate and slothful, but he delivers them from evil that they might not be overwhelmed, for he wishes them to fight, but does not suffer them to be mortally wounded. All those Monday mornings in the world, all those times where in frustrations with, with the wickedness in this life, this is part of God's plan working in us. You say, well, why would the Lord do that? We're not of the world even as, as Christ was not of the world. Verse 17 tells us, and this will be our last point, he wants us to be holy in the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Many Christians will go from one extreme to the other. They'll, they'll, they may go and say, well, worldliness is defined by whatever the pastor says it is, and if the pastor doesn't like sports, then sports is worldly. And if the pastor doesn't like this kind of music, then that kind of music is worldly. And if the pastor doesn't like NASCAR, then NASCAR is worldly. But if he likes golf, then golf is okay. If he likes baseball, baseball is okay. And that kind of thing. And then they, uh, people will go from groups like that, and then they'll say, well, no, that's not what the Bible says. I'm free. I'm free from that. And you know what they do then? Then they, then they so go start doing worldly things. Then they, they leave a, maybe a, a, a too rigid definition of, of worldliness, but then they say, well, I'm free to do whatever, and then they go into worldliness. And then they find that's a disaster for their soul, and then they come back, and they say, well, I must have been right the first time, and they go back the other way, and it's back and forth and back and forth. Here's the truth in the prayer, that the world is the system of the natural man. It's darkness opposed to Christ. It's holiness. <clears throat> it's against holiness and lovers of sin. Christ, who is light, who is, who is holiness, came into a dark world to save people from their sins and give them everlasting life and gives them a new nature and gives them life. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. What's that mean? If you love me, follow me. If you love me, be with me in the light. Well, how can we do that? Well, he gave, gives us that nature to do that. That joy, that fruit of the Spirit, that life, that comes from God. So now, just as Jesus, who is holy, came into this world of sin to save us, we now have been made righteous by Christ, by have the new birth, given a new nature, and we too are still in this world as Christ was in this world. And as Christ was hated, we are hated for his sake. And as Christ lived among evil and trials and those who despised him, we live in this world by those who despise him and 
midst trials and temptations. As Christ lived in this world to give us the word, to give the disciples the word that they may know and, and spread the gospel, we remain in this world that we may take God's word and spread the gospel. As, as Christ lived to glorify the Father in this world, we live to glorify the Father in this world. As Christ lived as the light in the darkness, we live shining the light of Christ in the darkness. We don't hide our light under a bushel, but we put it on the lampstand. We go forth showing the works of the Father that the world may know that Christ Jesus is Lord and see the works of the Father. As Christ sanctified himself as the high priest, because sanctify can mean to make holy, or it is holy, or to be set apart, Christ set himself apart, came into this world as our high priest and as our sin sacrifice that we might have everlasting life, that we would be sanctified through the word of God. Jesus is praying that the Father would sanctify us through the truth in this world. This process, which is the work of God, is worked in us while we are in the midst of the furnace. The gold becomes pure through the trying of the fire. And it is God's will that we remain in this world for his glory. But we would do as our dear Savior did and live in this life to glorify the Lord. This sanctification is God's process working in us. It begins on the inside by working in us to do his will. And so our faults and our trips and our failures and our mess ups and all these things sanctify us. And our sicknesses that sanctify us when we see that our flesh is weak. Our Our losses in this life sanctify us and remind us that nothing in this world lasts. When people hate us or dislike us or just rude to us because we love the Lord Jesus, it reminds us that we are not of this world. We've been born again. And when we go out into that darkness and we do the works of God, then we rejoice in that we can glorify God. Do you participate? Yes, but you're just working out what God is working in. He died for our justification as well as our sanctification. And Jesus sends his disciples into a wicked world. Whereas Jesus is holy, God sanctifies us that we would be holy. So yes, we sing the song, we're dwelling in Beulah and by faith, because we're not there yet. And we can have joy in this life. As the strifes and so forth go on around us, we can have joy looking to Christ and resting in him. And knowing that he is working in us. He knows where we're at. This is where he wants us to be because this is where we're at. And he's sanctifying us. He's working in us for his glory and for your good. I pray that you'd you'd be um, strengthened and encouraged by these truths. That we are in the world but not of the world. But the Lord has not forsaken us. This is his will.